David, do you want to introduce the podcast today? Ooh. I'm feeling frisky. Ooh. Okay. Do you want to give it a go? Do you want to give it a go? Hello, everybody. You may be surprised by the fact that this voice is a little bit less rugged, has a little bit less of a range. A little bit less irritating, a little bit less niggly in the ear, you know. Okay, Okay. I'll take the compliments. We thought we didn't give my normal speaking voice enough chances due to the incredible (laughs) polyphony of characters I play. And so today I, David Leavesley, am presenting the start of this podcast. And uh, I guess... We should have some kind of mise en scène, shouldn't we? Because we always do do that. We always have like a, a premise. Hey, David, can, can, I, can I just just try a suggestion immediately? Could you say the name of the podcast? In the <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, Tom, they just, they read it. They use their eyes. They read yeah, it on the okay. screen. They know what they're listening to. You're right. You're right. Tom, at this stage of the game, who's stumbling in here? Who's This doesn't come on after my dad wrote a porno as a recommended listen. I think everybody... All right, guys, it's Critical Ditto. Welcome to Critical Ditto, your favourite Pokemon tabletop role-playing yes, podcast. Yes, that might be a selection of nouns that describe this. It's it's in many ways gone beyond that now. Wow, this is going well. I see that Tom is already getting in place to start throwing suggestions in willy-nilly. And so uh, let's move over to, to Tom Dale. Let's throw the order out the window. Tom Dale, uh, who are you playing and who gave you the right? frankly, to talk to me that way. <laughs> David, no one gave me the right. And I tell you who I have the right to play. It's Brandy, the ex-cheerleader of the Pokemon champion who is on a quest to get her father back from being a Celio. On Brandy's team, she has a Lopany called Wimpy, a Skaroopy called Gary, a Munchlax called Snorleone, um, and some others. Uh... Just check the notes. Just going to check the notes. They're all vitally important. <laughs> been two weeks, lads. Been two weeks. Got it. Here we go. Dr. Bunnelby, who's a Bunnelby. Um, Flower the Meltan. And Lightning McQueen, the Carcoal. And I don't think I have any more. And I'm going to pass over to Ali Hill. Do you want to have a crack at introducing the podcast as well and yourself? Better sure. Than me? Welcome to Critical Ditto, the absolute best podcast ever. I am playing the role of Kenny Mullet, the best character on the best podcast, obviously. I'm full of confidence today. Kenny is an empathetic... I think Ali's been reading The Art of the Deal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm playing Kenny, who's not read Art of the Deal at all. But he's empathetic, he's haunted, he's a young man from Comover Town on a quest to find out more about his weird poker powers and his Pokemon team. He has a Dartrix, a Gyarados, a Salandit... A Honchcrow, a Spiritomb, a Joltik, and a Komoo that is currently leading their own army in a fight to break out of prison. And someone else uh, who knows a lot about breaking out of prisons, I'm going to introduce a person who normally introduces it, but has remained mysteriously quiet, famous prison breaker, Stu Clark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about 16 the count is now. <laughs> Birdman of Alcatraz, that's yeah. Stu. <laughs> yeah, that's me, that's me. The uh, entire cast of Prison Break, that's Stu. That's me, yeah. Go back, go back, watch it, watch it, you'll realise, <laughs> you'll see it. Yeah, I don't have a character to introduce because I'm running the game tonight, but if I if I did, they'd be very cool, and they would have six Dragonites. Can you introduce all the characters you play? Yes. <sighs> Previously on Critical Ditto, or for your British listeners. Oi, mate, you want to know what happened last time on Critical Ditto? Well, listen up! What on Slowpoke's previously green earth is a courgette? You've made it inside the core prison. One for Kenny, saving as many poker power people as he can. So you're looking for like a tech room 
and maybe remotely open some doors. Yeah. Brandy was always going to go with Rain. For Brandy, it's about releasing Lightning McQueen at this point. It's probably Theo, N and S, probably to escape that. Where are we going again, Rain? Where's Shine hold up? Shine's laboratory. What slash who is Shine working on? The Polyworld Delch. Creating this, and Shine gets one of the X-Extreme Balls out. Once this is complete, we have absolute control. We can hold anyone and make them do anything. Brandy bursts down to face off with Shine and says, A Pokemon battle. You versus me. I win, you release my colleague Rain here from the Extreme Ball. You win, you can capture me. And the restraints on Delch the Polyworld release. But here's the thing, I have no moral compass, and I think you do. Theo, the two of you come and go as you please. There's something there stopping people from getting out. That Pokemon could be controlled, could it not? Was there a device, Mrs. S? Was that was it I a- I feel like there would need to be. And from beneath the elevator, you see two hands suddenly emerge. It's Zygarde, 100% form. Kenny, you and Hannah have given yourselves a special mission. A special mission for two very special defenders. Your goals? Rescue Candy and General Phillips. Kenny, you're also seeking to liberate as many Poker Power prisoners as you can before Helsing's mysterious and foreboding event broadcast in the main prison atrium. To that end, the pair of you have dashed to prisoner level two, ducking and dodging Claydol searchlights as you navigate impossibly thin walkways, finding hidden resolve not to glance down into the abyss that threatens to swallow you from below. Hannah, utilising skills learned during her and Candy's covert operations at Capricorn Tapu Dhabi Tower, has located the surveillance and records room. Lampent, using ghostly tendrils to bypass the security lock, has managed to get you inside. Still, the prison remains eerily empty. The Helsing grunts usually tasked with guard duty here have been relocated, either forced to beef up security at the broadcast or attend the mass brawl happening between Helsing and Kenny's Pokemon army in what used to be Warden Vipen's gym. As you enter this darkened cubby, you find your faces bathed in a blue-tinted light as you are confronted with screens that intermittently cut between various other scenes in the prison. Entrance Bridge Cam 3 you see a fuzzy image of Theo, Mr. N, and Mrs. S facing down a Zygarde, a monstrous automaton-looking creature of black, green, and white as they attempt to secure an exit from the prison. Laboratory Interior. A pixelated pink-haired Brandy and Wimpy the Lopany face off with the maniacal vampire squad member Shine and Delch the Polywhirl in a battle for the freedom of Inquisitor Rain and Lightning McQueen the Carcoal. Atrium Approach Level 1. Reporter Ulmer, height of fashion, in black and white checkerboard jumpsuit, which pops in spite of the low-res screen, strides down a corridor towards the event, accompanied by a Helsing detail. Hedrold, his Ninkada atop his reporter's trilby, brings up the rear, hurrying as fast as his stubby legs will allow. Vipen Gym, camera 8. The room is no longer recognisable as a Pokemon gym, littered as it is with defeated Helsing grunts and KO'd Pokemon. The walls are scorched, ceiling timbers smashed, but Kenny's legion of Pokemon and the Baltic Basketball Chaplaincy Acolytes under the command of King Thrush the Kamoa stand victorious. King Thrush supports a bipedal Ninetales on one shoulder and carries a bloodied Anatoly under the other arm. Thrush seems to look straight down the lens, Kenny, as if to say to you directly, 
We did our bit. Now it's up to you. Kenny, you and Hannah are about to turn your attention to the security computers when you are distracted by a loud snore coming from a large swivel chair to your right. The chair idly turns to reveal a slumped, sleeping Pokémon wearing a cap that reads Head of Surveillance. David, what is this lazy security Pokémon? And Kenny, what do you do next? Um, I'm going to say that the, the snoozy security guard Pokémon is a Pangoro. Beautiful. You came with your A game today. It's just bad enough, David. Do you know what I mean? Like, you gave me a sleepy panda, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. (laughs) Okay, so Kenny, that's what you see. You're in this security Hmm. room. You know that in these computers are prisoner records and that sort of thing. It's a bit of a control center. It's a pretty good room to find yourself in, not going to lie. Hannah's done a good job getting you here. But there is this sleepy Pangoro. With every snore, the chair is just swiveling a little bit more you've seen all these individual scenes on the cameras as they they keep rotating between various rooms in the prison what are you and hannah gonna do okay well first i want to establish that kenny and hannah will be whispering but for the sake of it being a podcast we're not going to do that take it as a red that until the pangora wakes up we're whispering okay can i just hear kenny's whisper uh sure make it careless hannah i don't think i'm ever gonna dance again guilty feeling got no rhythm (laughs) careless enough for you i love that (laughs) Also, ASMR up the wazoo. <laughs> Kenny, you need to start a YouTube channel of, of reading George Michael lyrics very close to a microphone because I would listen to that. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Hannah. I know that. I have a very soothing voice. This this is going to be hard, Kenny, but we have got to have faith. Oh, boo. Kenny, I never told you this, but last Christmas, I... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hannah, wake me up before you go-go to another bloody idea for a scene. David, this is it. This is just the next hour of our lives. I think you overestimate mine and Stu's knowledge of George Michael lyrics. Uh, I think I was out after that. Uh, don't let the sun, the sun, the Pokemon sun go down on this plan, Kenny. What are we going to do? One of my Pokemon, I think, could really help us out here. They've done really well with electrical stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to bring out Fleek. And Kenny releases Joltik. Joltik! Fleek, do what you did with that Magnezone. Find a tiny little gap in the machine. Uh, get in there, and basically, we want you to. Oh, we want you to be able to control the doors in the prison. So I want you to basically hack into the mainframe. For you and Fleek the Joltic to internalize these consoles, try and do your classic hacking job. Uh, roll plus plus cool. Act under pressure. That is uh, plus a one is a nine. Oh, mixed success. Okay. Man, Fleek is having a good season. Oh, right, I feel like if there was an MVP, you know, most valuable yeah. Pokemon, this guy right here, I mean, took down a Moltres. Joltic, Joltic, Joltic. <laughs> yeah, if someone was like keeping track of stats and that sort of thing, I think mm. Fleek would be scoring so high. I can only assume Joltic doesn't evolve because just narratively, like <laughs> they're the only, about one moment away. It's the only logical explanation. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing, right? It's right. going to stay this this adorable and terrifying do you forever. Know, do you know what, though? It would be like so inconvenient for a tiny, tiny, tiny Pokemon to evolve when it's, you know, trying to be stealthy, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, that's obviously not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> can, we, can we do it, Ali? Can we make <laughs> Yes, 
okay. <laughs> That's fine. Joltik heads towards the consoles. Fleet knows exactly what to do in this situation. They've been here so many times, Kenny. You and Joltik. The hairdryers. Right. The, you know. The other times. The other times. The Magnazone. The Magnazone. Thank you. This is a, a well-worn path by now. Gives a little salute with that little furry leg. You have so much confidence in Joltik right now. I mean, well earned, right? Squeezes into a little gap in the console. The butt is sticking out until... Sticks in. It's cute AF. There's some... But if anything, Kenny, Joltik's feeling too confident. And actually, all that experience is coming back to bite. Because you hear a noise. And suddenly this white light starts to emanate from the internal console of this security array. You hear this and panels start to dent and buckle from the inside as this tiny, tiny joltic is finally, finally it's fought, it's battled, and it's got to a point where it's entertaining enough for me to have joltic evolve at this point. <laughs> and therefore it's happening. And boom, a panel flies off. Boom, another panel flies off. You see these yellow legs come out, but they're bigger now. They look spikier on the end. These yellow feet poking out with these bulbous, spiky ends. Bits of purple fur start to emerge from the panel as well, until finally this panel flies off, skids across the floor, and you see Fleek's face. And it's not Fleek the Jolting anymore. There are six eyes. Blue, beady. It's Fleek the Galvantula. Galvantula! It's now stuck in the security console. If the security console was a big shell, this would be a little tortoise garvantula. That's how I'm sort of seeing it. Covered in armour. I'm not quite sure that's what you did last time. But even as you see the garvantula, this giant yellow tarantula sticking out of the console, you realise that Fleek did their job. And on the screen, on one of the consoles, it says... Access granted. In, in cool, cool Pokemon text. So you know that Fleek has hacked the mainframe, has given you access to the prison files. But... I think you hear the Pangora stir with the boom, 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 boom of the console. We're just hearing the endless boom, 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 boom. Oh, yes. Oh. Already. It's like an alarm clock. Kenny, Hannah, what do you do? Okay, Hannah, I guess we, now we need to find out where where our specific prisoners are being kept. Is that, that what, that's what we got to do, I suppose? We don't want to just let everyone out. That'll, I know, I know, but I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot, lot of dangerous people here. The Pangoro, the Pangoro, what, what, what do we do about that? It's going to stir if, if we leave it too long. Have you got anything? Any Pokemon who could, who could, you know? I don't have a Pokemon, but I do have Poke Power. Do you want to risk that, Kenny? Well, the one Pokemon that I could have that would bring it asleep was uh, Spiritomb, who has gone down. So, oh. Kenny cast Hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great Kenny how does how does Kenny keft hypnosis just <laughs> goes up to the pangoro and a bit like his mum used to do when he was having restless nights just strokes the side of its head and goes go to sleep go to sleep but this is a poker power technically this is a poker power okay yeah. so roll you're plus weird I mean I could use charm it's just they're both plus two to be honest but oh, um let's maybe do charm then because we don't do that as much oh. do we Okay. This is a manipulate someone, I suppose. Yeah, you're sort of... All right. It's Pokepad inspired. Kenny's channeling his mother. It's cute. And with the plus two, I rolled a ten. So I did a, a very good job of it. And Pangoro returns to a very peaceful slumber. Okay, Kenny, we're in. What are we doing? Because you're right. There are a lot of prisoners in this place. And, you know, you say you want to release... The Polka Paris, right? But how do you know which ones to get out? 
I mean, obviously, we know we want to get out Candy and General Phillips, and but 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 the others? How do you know? Hmm. Very good question. I'm going to assume that if Team Helsing were in, have now kind kind of infiltrated this prison, that maybe they're kept. The records for those people are kept in a separate place or, you know, they're subjected mm-hmm. to the worst prison cells or something. I think we basically need to look around this room. Okay, okay. If there was something we could do, like check a place out, that might be really appropriate. Mm-hmm. But okay. I just can't think of it. I'm not a player character, Kenny. I'm I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I don't have that kind of insight. But if you want to roll, go for it. Kenny does want to roll. And as always, when Kenny rolls plus sharp, he actually rolls plus weird, thanks to the weird insight feat. Uh, I'm going to roll plus two to weird for check a place out. <clears throat> That's a total of a six. <laughs> okay. Oh, even with the plus two, that's... Oh. oh. Okay, you start checking a place out, Kenny. What does that look like? Okay, Hannah, in the past, whenever I've tried to have to look for something, I don't know, I've just been able to instinctively feel it, right? So I'm just going to hold up my hand and it's going to take me in the right direction. I'm going to close my eyes and give the GM control over where I move. Hmm. Kenny... You, you stand there for a while and nothing really happens. And Hannah's giving you a very quizzical look and she's like, um, I'm, you know what, while, whilst you're doing that, I'm, I'm just going to check the console manually, you know, with, with the keyboard. Uh, but you keep doing that. You keep doing that. No, Hannah, I've got this. And you keep doing that and you hear Hannah clicking away, clacking away a little bit, looking for, as you say, high profile, high security prisoners and lower, lower security prisoners and that sort of thing. And then you hear her typing stop. You feel the room just go a little bit colder. It's like that Kenny Insight thing, and you see Hannah stop moving, and she just says, Hey, Kenny? Yeah? Do you know a Luan? Yeah? Huh. No, it's weird. I was, I was, I was just looking at, um, at the most dangerous poker powers on this, uh, this, this prison registry. And I uh, said that, that Luan, the uh, perpetrator of the O'Hara incident, you know, that, that thing that, that, my parents, that my parents died in, it said that uh, she was meant to be here, and she's not. She's unaccounted for. It says that, you know, she was meant to be in that prisoner caravan that you said that you were a part of, and I'm just a little confused. Oh, if you could see everyone's face on the Zoom call right now. We're all like, oh, this callback. I just went through the tome of suffering. What the hell, man? (laughs) That's a fail right there. That is a fail. Mm, I love that. I love that fail right there. And back in the scene. Uh, Yes, Hannah, I, I, I do know who Luan is. She was supposed to be taken here. And um, she was in a very high security car. And I was apprehended, along with Brandy and Theo, in said car. And I was put in the same cell as her. One thing led to another. There was a stampede of colossal. But, yeah, I know who who you're referring to. She's not here. Why? Because... Because I, I know what happened to her. I think this person called Frey, who heads up uh, Team Mystic... I think she did this thing that she calls unlocking poker-powered people that basically ramps their powers up to 20 and sends them into overdrive. And Luan was unable to control her toxic powers and set off the gas explosion that caused your parents. I learned this about Luan 
and I gave her a second chance. Kenny, I have I have tried so hard to to put that day behind me. I wanted it to make me a better person. I wanted to come out of that day not with hate in my heart, but with a a, a plan. A plan to make the, the region a better place. That's what drew me to becoming a trainer. That's what drew me to special defenders. And I, I hear I hear what you're saying about giving people second chances, but Kenny, as I keep saying to you, how do you know? You keep saying, I think, you keep saying, this is what I believe happened, this is what I thought happened, I think Frey unlocked. The point is, Kenny, I know that my parents died. They don't get a second chance. How do you know that Luan won't take away someone else's second chance? How do you know? How can you be so sure to hold me in General Phillips's office, to comfort me, to, to promise me that things will be all right, and then to make a decision like that? How do you know? I, I, I don't... I guess I, I... I trust that people aren't intrinsically evil, as someone who has been called that, and know in my heart that I'm not. But I also realise from my dealings with Elisa and Brandy and Theo's reaction to her that that I don't have control over that and that it's not my decision and I'm sorry Hannah I really am if you think that I have endangered people I just don't think I have I, I want to I want to follow you Kenny I do I've seen enough of you to know that you're a good person I know that. I think I know that. I just... When you've been through what I've been through, you can't totally banish the fear. I want to, but I can't. Maybe I'm ashamed that fear still comes first. Can I be honest, Kenny? Mm -hmm. Even with you. You're scared of me. Yeah. Scared of what you might become. I'm sorry, I know. I know I'm not meant to say that. I know <laughs> you're meant to support your friends, and I, I do, but... Yeah. That's all right. And Lampent, who's been circling the two of you a little, can feel the chill that's entered the room and just heightens their flame a little bit to try and provide some buoyancy and some, some light to the scene that has become even bluer and colder than the screens that bathed you. What can I do, Hannah? Not to not make you scared of me. But to apologise, to put it right, I, I just want to do right. What I think is that we shouldn't be opening doors to things we don't fully understand. Right now, I think our mission should be to save General Phillips, Candy, the people we know about, and everything else needs more time. I don't think we should be releasing prisoners that we don't fully know about. There's this awful event happening we could be condemning those people to death but clearly I cannot be trusted and the one thing I do trust in my life is my friends uh, and whether you want that or not Hannah you're part of that 
in my head. So if that's what she want, if that's the reparation I have to pay to give Luan a second chance, then so be it. I just want to be safe, Kenny. I want us to be safe. Maybe I'm not brave enough to be a special defender, but I've got to, I've got to say what I think is the next right thing, Kenny. Oh, you, you, you can't, that's, that, you can't use your, my thing against me. I can't. <laughs> that was our thing. I... Our thing? I'm just saying, if I were to create a t-shirt with a slogan, you know. Both, both of our faces would be underneath it, yeah. Yes. Yes, because you were angry at me. Mm-hmm. And despite it being a Pokemon podcast, I'm not good with confrontation. <laughs> Don't ever lock eyes with anyone, Kenny. Okay, Hannah stays on the console, unlocks the General Phillips candy cell on level three, which is one level below from you. And she makes to leave the room and beckons you out, Kenny. Tail between his legs. Kenny follows. And the door slowly shuts as the only sound left is the... Oh, oh wait. Wait, wait, wait. Galvantula, help, help me get him out. Come on. You can't be angry at him. It's not his fault. Come on, Hannah. He's stuck. He might have twisted an ankle. Oh, no, he's just got an extra leg. Actually, he's fine. <laughs> and as you, the newly evolved, fleek the Galvantula and Hannah leave, the door slowly closes with the snore of a Pangora. <laughs> Right, well, the midsection I have for you today is from someone very near and dear to all of our hearts. That's right. My mum. It's not Ali's mum. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Ali's mum, you're out there listening every week, I'm sure you are. When I told my mum I was doing this, I had to explain to her both what Pokemon was and what a podcast was. Mm. So, <laughs> And who you were. It's been a tough year for your mum. <laughs> right, well, no, this is not from Ali's mum. This is from someone else. Less close to our hearts, I'd assume, than Ali's mum. But My mum. <laughs> okay. It's no one's mum. It's a mum collab. It's not a mum collab. Oh, the boys are feeling feisty today. Here we go. It's going to be a battle. This will come out mid-winter like winter, and we are sweating. Honestly, it's like a Tennessee Williams play today. It's absolutely unbearable. I'm going to start sleeping with Marlon Brando. Well, I mean... Stars we can but dream, eh, David? <laughs> David, are you saying if Marlon Brando, circa 1963, came to you in February, you'd say no? I feel like it would be a different, it would be a different proposal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like if, like if if Marlon Brando, circa 1963, came David, up to me in David, February, David, it's cold out. It's cold, David. It's, it's just genius, genius. I'm, I'm so sorry, sir. You um, do you need some help? I could. <laughs> I'm having I, a stroke, I, David. David. <laughs> <laughs> Because if somebody came up to me in February in London and ripped their T-shirt off while screaming my name, I mean, that is a standard Friday night in a gay bar in London. However, at the same time, I also would be like, that's inappropriate for the weather. You're going to catch a cold. Do you want my coat? Whilst in, at th- in this weather, I'd be like, oh, okay. Ian, turn a blind eye. <laughs> listeners, listeners, I'm so sad that you can't see Tom's face at how far we've detoured already. I just, I just want to clarify to the listeners that Marlon Brando is not the midsection character this week. Someone's not written in Marlon submitted. Brando in February as my midsection <laughs> new character. But you know what? Maybe I'll submit that next week. <laughs> By that time, it will be read out in February, so it will be appropriate. Oh. You know what? Oh. I kind of don't want to do the midsection now. It's hot. Shall we just yeah, end it fair. there? I yeah. almost feel like maybe we just go rogue and we just say, the person near and dear to our heart, find out next week on Crystal Ditto. <laughs> what a cliffhanger. Back to you guys doing, you know, doing the episode. You're midway through. Good luck. Who's that Pokemon? 
It's Pangoro! Ali, it is time to mark experience for the failure, <laughs> because I think that was certainly an experience. Yeah, and in fact, Kenny is now level six. Yay. Oh, the emotional growth, see? Right, where do we go next? God. One of the other guys. <laughs> straight back to Kenny. Please. This is a going, and another thing! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandy, you were mid-battle with Shine, the maniacal twisted experiment doer of Team Helsing, of the Vampire Squad. She's in her own laboratory. It's full of green ichor, lightning balls, mad lab-style stuff. You managed to defeat her Weavile with ease using Wimpy the Lopany. Uh, and a <laughs> brutal high jump kick or double kick, one of those kicks. Inquisitor Rain watches on, nervous, anxious about their own fate. Lightning McQueen the Carcol, also contained within Extreme Ball, desperate to escape. It all rides on this, Brandy. It all rides on you defeating Shine. A one-on-one, -on -one, a gambit. If you lose, you've said that you can be claimed in Extreme Ball. If you win, you could free them all. Delch the Polywell has been affixed with a winged metallic suit and is coming at you under Shine's command with a vicious wing attack straight at Wimpy the Lopany. How do you respond? Can Brandy switch Pokemon? Uh, what, for this incoming attack? Yeah, I was wondering if I could roll Creative Advantage to see if I could switch Pokemon out. Sure, because if you fail, Wimpy can just take damage. It's only because I'm worried that like I don't want to just switch in and then my next Pokemon would take the attack. Yeah, head and maybe mix, mix success, one of them takes the damage, but you get to decide which one. Oh, great. That's Ooh, good. New mechanic. Note it down. That will go in. <laughs> that will go in the latest version. Switch. It's a new move. This is fun. Okay. Right. Tom is rolling switch, which is rolling plus speed for your Pokemon. Which is great for Wimpy because Wimpy is a plus three to their speed. Oh well, this should go well. So I'm gonna roll my two d six. Ho ho. So it's a two and a five, which is a seven, plus three, which is a ten. Excellent. So yeah, you get to fully do this switch. The Pokemon is out, ready to respond to that wing attack. No damage is taken and you get to decide exactly how you're going to respond. So who's switching in and what are you doing? I think Wimpy's not sure. Looks back to Brandy to make a decision. Lope! Lopany! Brandy can't bring herself to ask Lopany to attack a Pokemon that is obviously acting against its will. Was it wing attack? Yeah, imagine these metal bat wings on this poor Poliwhirl and it's just being forced to come at you with these metal wings. So Brandy's going to try again. She remembers what happened with her fight with Inquisitor Rain back in the Cosmic Power arc and is going to say, Wimpy, I'm going to try something. Bear with me. Return. And she returns Lopany just before the wing slices through the kind of red shadow, I suppose. Yep, amazing. As they get sucked back into the ball. So Delch the Polywog continues on and circles back, coming in for another wing attack on whoever you send out next. Did someone call for a doctor? Is this a time for a quip? It's quite serious. I'm not going to quip. Dr. Bunnelby, go! And then no, throws out Dr. Bunnelby. Absolutely not. Oh my <laughs> oh God. It's happening. I have to respect your sheer audacity. I'm, 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 I'm fairly certain at one point you promised this Bunnery it would never go near battle. And <laughs> it was, that, was a whole, it. that was a whole part of like one of the ship episodes. Was you having a, a whole scene about like, well, you're definitely not a battler. So let's figure you're out flinging this Sorry. towards a kamikaze poly well. <laughs> Dr. Bunnelby is not here to battle. Dr. Bunnelby is here to heal. Dr. Bunnelby will not be taking part in a fight. Dr. Bunnelby will be taking part in a diagnosis. To be fair to Tom, didn't Bunnelby do this with Cypher before? Exactly, did he not David. Do this exact you same thing? Yeah. So now Bunnelby is going to try the same thing, but this time Bunnelby is going to try and do it on 
Delch. Now, I've been pretty liberal with giving Bunnelby moves because they're not battle moves. I gave Bunnelby a set of therapy moves. So, oh if you will permit me, I have given Dr. Bunnelby the move Calm Mind, but to use as a offensive, in inverted commas, move. These are flavourful moves. Yeah, I'm with you. So, Dr. Bunnelby is going to stand their ground, stare down Delch, and just say, in the Pokemon language, Delch, how are you, how are you feeling, really? Okay, this is why the wing attack is coming in, so... Can I just ask, uh, we, we, we basically do have a section in our playbook that just says you can just do whatever the hell you want. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's after yeah, switch. There's yeah, a, after there's switch, also... it's after switch, it's forget everything Ran- you've read. The random bullshinks, random bullshinks move, yeah. Say something and ask the GM, is that okay? Can I do it's, that? It's right up there with, can my Pokemon evolve? Which is just, <laughs> it's, it's just right next to that part of the, the, the rule book. Here we go. I was thinking create an advantage. Create an advantage, yes. Which is plus speed, which Bunnelby is plus one. It's not plus three. Okay, uh, so it's a nine. Ooh, well, that's 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 good. That is Good-ish. good. So on create an advantage on a seven to nine, so you get to choose one good thing, but also one bad thing. I haven't got these written out, but just imagine there is like an opposite version of each of these. Take plus one forward or take minus one forward. Heal one harm or take one harm inflict one extra harm or have one extra harm inflicted on you next time force your foe where you want them or become restrained i guess or like maybe i get to decide where 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 bunnelby Bunnelby is yeah yeah i think bunnelby is going to force the foe where you want them but in a mental sense so that's your positive that's my positive ali's shaking his head like he thinks this is tearing up the rules no, no I, we are adhering to the bit in the playbook that says you can do whatever you want it's fine <laughs> I refuse to take this from the man that has magic powers I've been reading from that playbook from day one buddy yeah, he, absolutely he's just quoting the move he uses most often <laughs> so Bunnelby is going to force Delch where they want them mentally which is just in a kind of state where they're able to question their motives Gain back some of Delch, the yeah. real Delch. I think the GM gets to decide what the negative one actually is because you've had enough power and I get to <laughs> Fine. I, yeah. But it's going to be cool because I think Dr. Bunnelby is going to catch the wings and it's going to take a harm from catching that wing and holding it, but it's going to hold Delch the Polywell there or it's maybe going to fly around with Delch the Polywell eye to eye in front of Delch's face. What would you prefer, Tom? Oh, I love oh, that. Definitely yeah. the second one. Around. So you're flying around the lab. There's lightning bolts from these various Tesla coils Ooh. sparking off that Delch is having to dodge lest she takes some horrible electric damage. The poor thing is in such an awful environment. But Dr. Bunnelby, PhD, is holding on with little bunny paws for dear life onto Delch the Polywell, has taken a point of harm, but is locked eye to eye, ready to make that connection. Does Bunnelby have more than one HP? Bunnelby has two HP. Oh what? my goodness! Oh, so, my God oh, so when I say when I say Bunnelby has some cut hands, no, 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 serious internal bleeding. <laughs> so Tom, tell me, tell me about this. What is Doctor Bunnelby's approach? No, I'm not okay. I'm trapped. I'm trapped in a vicious cycle of abuse, and I'm having to dodge with lightning bolts. And she threatens me with pain if I don't do what she says. I just want to be down on the meteorite, living like a human woman, Polywell, and this is my fate. Bunnelby is looking directly into Delch's eyes. That sounds really hard. 
and I hear you. Wait, wait, we just need to put the Bonnaby ADR on there. David, would you mind Would you mind just giving me some... Uh... Bonnaby, 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 it's very much the Animal Crossing. That's so much better than I had any right to expect. Like I that's don't just think, unbelievably I don't think David's good. done Bunnelby before. No, I don't. No, I'm so I glad I asked. I've only done the other side. Yes, you I did the did. other side. Oh my god, that was very much me doing. Bunnelby as character in no, my but that's Animal Crossing. So Delch, that's Delch, so good. Delch, ignore the fact that my voice is different from when you last saw me <laughs> down in the meteor. Gonna be honest, not my biggest point of concern. But what I'm saying to you, Delch, life's challenges are not something to worry about. It's about the responses to the adversity that define the Pokemon. And your response has been admirable. I would not expect you to be even making any sense right now considering what you've gone through, but you have the mental strength of a polyrath 20 times your size. I want you to take that confidence and have the power when you're in a toxic relationship to say no and walk away. Okay, so what do you want to happen here, Tom? I want Poliwhirl to gain some autonomy. Not necessarily autonomy that makes them completely turn on shine, but perhaps one where they can Resist. So this feels like one last roll. So Polywell just looks at Bunnelby straight on. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you can see the water starting to pool in Polywell's swirly mouth as it's about to fire a water pulse directly at Dr. Bunnelby under Shine's command. Bunnelby, how do you respond? Bunnelby is going to use Odor Sleuth. He's going to smell it to health. It's going to attempt to identify... Holly Wills. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna attempt to use a normal move on a ghost type. In many ways is that not using therapy on a soul, do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly, David. <laughs> Bunnelby is using Odysseus to identify in Delch's heart of heart what will break this cycle. Yeah. What will break the chain. God, I want I, yeah, no, I want this. I like I genuinely want this to succeed. But I know it's a plus one. Never has Oda Sleuth been used. So... Never has Oda Sleuth been used. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Oda Sleuth for the for the victory. Boys. What a smug little face. He's the Snorlax that got the person Berry, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, it is a six plus a five plus a one. Dr. Bunnelby has identified the soul of this oh, Delch. Tom, what is it? What is that one gesture? that Dr. Bumblebee needs to do. Do you know what I think it is? And call me if this is too crazy. Call me out on it and say, Tom, no. It's too crazy. I can safely say it's too crazy. They kiss. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Make it out with that swirly mouth. <laughs> oh, I think Bumblebee looks into Polyworth's soul. Bumblebee sees the hard life, the desperation for Delch to want to be a human and enjoys the human traits because they've never felt respected as a Pokemon. They've always felt like humans hold the power in this world. Humans have the respect and Pokemon are merely used as the tools. Until Delch went down to the Meteor and met other Pokemon and was able to converse with them properly. And maybe Delch doesn't really want to be a human necessarily. Delch just wants to feel like they're worth something. And the only person really that treated them as an equal even though perhaps their views on things were different, they still had a mutual respect. And that was Columbo the Monferno. And Bunnelby sees this and thinks, oh, well, I can't do anything about this. There's no bond that I can create that is strong enough to break this. The only one would be Monferno. And at that moment, from, from the sky, from the door, 
first open <laughs> from the sky what? in the lab. Did we ever actually say where Mac Monferno went. and no. Mac went? Mac, no, I don't think left. we did. They just left. I think I think Mac could have had a change of heart that Deus Ex Machina, quite literally. Deus Ex Machina, that's well, it. Well, that's what that's I'm thinking. It. I think at that moment, Bunnelby closes their eyes and thinks, I'm sorry, Brandy, but I'm not the one to break this cycle. There is only one. And at that moment, out of nowhere, there's almost like anime style. Everything's poor. Suddenly everyone's eyes widen slightly they sense another presence and suddenly Bunnelby is taken away from Polyworld in the blink of an eye Bunnelby is off somewhere thrown let's say back down to the ground who takes the water pulse Tom? Columbo the Monferno takes the water pulse Columbo the Monferno the one Pokemon the one entity in the whole world that respected Delch and treated Delch as an equal is there face to face face to swirl with Poliwhirl and takes the water pulse straight to the chest but doesn't let go of Poliwhirl and just embraces them in a hug. Can I have someone with a functional Welsh accent to voice Columbo hugging Delch the Poliwhirl right now? Okay. I know all you and this isn't you. The chain is broken. Almost this imaginary chain between Extreme Ball and Pokemon is shattered. The wings break. And the ball itself breaks. So Delch the Poliwhirl and Columba the Monferno end up in a heap as Delch crashes down to the ground, the pair of them embracing, the wings broken, this Extreme Ball chain shattered. We pan over to Shine, who stands just behind her experimental table in her lab attire, holding the Extreme Ball, and it seems overheated, sparking. It's almost like it's burning her hand, and yet she continues to hold it, entertained by seeing a reaction that she's never seen before. This is so curious. Gosh, it's it's really burning into my flesh. <laughs> so I see you have severed some kind of link between me and my dear dear Delchi. My 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 experiment. That's curious. That's interesting. And at that moment, she feels a hand on her shoulder, and she looks and turns to see Mac, the massive Blitzable player, the red-haired Blitzable player Mac, saying in Mac's voice, whatever it was, imagine that. It's overshine. Does does he punch her? Maybe it should be Brandy. Yeah, I like that. Mac says it's over. <laughs> Brandy just punches her in the face. <laughs> Thanks for the distraction, Mac. <laughs> we got it. And as Brandy connects with Shine, this frizzy yellow-haired face just takes on a look of surprise and joy at being finally surprised by something that she could not have any comprehension of. And as she slumps into an unconscious heap, her frame resting against one of these green ichor tubes in her laboratory, eerily backlighting her weird, wild, untamed hair, her expression frozen. She is unconscious, out of commission. Mac? Inquisitor Rain looks at the large frame of Mac, this professional athlete, this blitzable player, uh, and previous vampire squad member, even if under duress. Where... Where did you where did you come from, Mac? I thought you left. Rain, I'm sorry I left you down there. I met a, a kid down in the meteor who was willing to give up everything for someone he just met. I didn't feel right leaving it the way I did, and neither did Columbo. You know, I, I still have those photos, Mac. The incriminating photos of you throwing the matches, accepting the bribes. You can share them all you want. I've realised the only thing that matters is me and my Pokemon being together. Anything else... We can handle it. Monferno all? Monferno all. Exactly. Well, I guess I should take this opportunity to officially disband the vampire squad. And Rain tears up the photos. Good luck, Mac. I owe you nothing. 
and you owe me nothing. Delch the Polywell and Columbo are stumbling up onto their feet from the corner of the room. Obviously, Columbo the Monferno returns to Mac. What's going to happen to Delch? Delch looks to Dr. Bunnelby, who, for the purposes of this, I'm going to say is fainted, took the last harm. And I think before Dr. Bunnelby fully faints, Delch looks towards the fallen Bunnelby and Bunnelby looks back and gives a nod, almost as if to say, you know what the answer is. And I think Delch runs off to Mac and Columbo and effectively in no uncertain terms wants to be part of a new team. And Mac says, do you know what? No, you're not on the team. You're the manager. And gives Delch the Polywell some kind of manager's jacket. It's like, <laughs> you'll, be the first, you'll, be the first, you'll be the first Pokemon manager in professional Blitz What I love is that Mac was in prison and then teamed up with the Vampire Squad, but he kept the manager's jacket that's Pokemon-sized in his bag, never confiscated. He does not think that he can keep the manager's jacket. That's never going to become a plot point. And yes, Mac gives it to Delch. So great. So that team leaves with Rain giving a cursory nod as Mac escapes. Brandy turns to Tallahassee and goes, well, that was pretty weird. Who the hell are they? <laughs> they had nothing to do with my plot at all. I have never met those That people. feels like there was more story there than I think you and I were partial to, Brandy. I feel like either one of Kenny or Theo would probably be able to put the dots together for that one. But for us, hey, job done. Well, I mean, is it job done? I'm pretty sure we came in here with a different purpose to knocking someone out and giving someone we didn't know a resolution on their story. Inquisitor Rain does, yeah, cut in and say, yes, I do believe we had a different goal here, Brandy. A goal that was adjacent, but one that is yet to be fulfilled. And she throws Carcoles extreme ball to Rain before you head off and, you know, look out for number one again. Same time, what you need to do is put the extreme ball in... Shine's hands and press the release button. I shall do the same on Karkos. Do you trust me? Not at all, but I trust that you trust yourself. And as you put the special, the XX stream ball, into Shine's other hand, the one that was not clasped around the furnace-like Delch extreme ball, and even unconscious, the fingerprint scanners or whatever in the extreme ball pick up that it is Shine's hand, and Rain holds Lightning McQueen's extreme ball in the other, and at the same time, flip the release and the extreme balls fall away. They are not reusable. Disintegrate as they release their containing members. And you see both Lightning McQueen, the Carcoll, and Inquisitor Rain just this relief, this sense of freedom as if a huge weight has been lifted off their shoulders. Inquisitor Rain actually doubles to the floor and Carcoll. Carcoll, cool, wow. Carcoll, wow. Feels so good, man. Wow. <laughs> Wow. wow! And zips, just zips around the laboratory as much as they can, enjoying the freedom of movement. Inquisitor Rain manages to get to their feet. Looks to you, Brandy. Thank you. You're welcome. Now get out of my sight before I remember how you were a Team Helsing member. They'd already gone. With a flick of the cape, <laughs> disappeared into the prison. Not to be seen. Brandy, is there anything you do before we, we fade down on you? I think she turns to Tallahassee and she says, All right, time to head upstairs, I think. One thing before we go, though, she kicks over the big vats of anonymous... The green liquid, yeah. ...over the extreme ball boxes and things oh, like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that, that they are now broken. Let's yeah, say, they, they to... melt. It's like acidic. 
It's like a God, <laughs> shines it on the floor, just getting <laughs> getting corroded. <laughs> uh, Brandy, I just need to move the person away from the acid before we throw it all over the Pokemon. All right, if you must, let's drop her off in a cell and throw away the key. I bet Kenny and Theo are already up at the event level right now waiting for us, so let's make a big entrance. And we fade down on the green ichor seeping over these boxes of extreme balls and the chrome balls disintegrating and melting as this abusive green liquid takes its hold. Theo, eyes narrow, locking with the Zygarde. And that's it for this week! (laughs) Theo. Yeah. We know where you are. You're on the top level of the prison, at the very, very apex of where is accessible. And the only way out of this prison, well, at least the only official way out, is via this large, large elevator that stands in the middle of the massive Mm. abyss-like crevice of the core prison. It hangs almost like a giant chandelier over the top of the prison, suspended by various beams and ropes and all sorts. It looks more precarious than it should be. And the only thing leading to this large elevator is a singular thin bridge, a bridge that you've already approached. You fired a will-o'-wisp down that bridge, past the floodlights, to the very end, where you could see a small pedestal with a Rubik's Cube-like puzzle-looking device on top of it. As soon as that will-o'-the-wisp flame reached that pedestal, there was a rumbling, and goodness knows, Sloking only knows where from, but a Zygarde, 100% form Zygarde, a vicious automaton-looking creature of green, black, and white, half-robotic, half-beastly creature, crawled from the bottom of the elevator, ka-chung, 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 ascended up onto the end of this bridge, and now stands between you and this Rubik's Cube device, which you can only assume is the key to controlling this otherwise otherworldly, beastly guardian of the entrance of the core. What do you, Mr. N and Mrs. S, do as you said this pokemon is stood right between this puzzle and us and i think theo also knows that theo is with two of the greatest brains in the church and although they may have won a couple of sloking jewels in their time there are two people here who are perfectly designed for puzzle solving also remembering that samantha has a geodude a geodude <laughs> and so theo turns to the two of them and goes okay i need the two of you to make a run for it for that puzzle over there and i am going to try and distract that. Mrs. S gives you a wry smile Theo and goes, are you really going to let me be able to hold this over you? The fact that I was the one to solve a mental puzzle. You know, I have grown a little bit, Samantha, so it will kill me till my dying day. But um, <laughs> I but I will somehow survive because if there's one thing I love more than puzzles, it's taking down massive Pokemon. Hey, if you can guarantee survival of anything, I'm on board. Mr. N pipes in and says, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with you two talking much longer. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's let's just. I'm going to need the two of you to thread between those legs of that massive, massive robot machine right now, or else you will die. Okay. This feels like a split roll, David. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about rolling, distracting Theo, and then rolling for whatever Mr. and Mrs. S are doing? But I want you to do both. They're both Theo rolls. They're like your your pawns right now. Lovely. My favourite part of this podcast: doing rolls. Why would I not want to do more? Do you want to do your distraction roll first, David, or your Mr. and Mrs. S solving roll? Maybe let's do the distraction roll first. Yeah, let's do that. Theo, how are you attempting to distract the Zygarde? 
Theo's plan to distract it is classic Theo as Pokemon battle instructor coming out. Zygarde, Theo knows, is Ground and Dragon. What is a perfect foil for those two types? Why, it's none other than the R&B singing jet plane itself. Every time. I was going to say, David, you keep saying that, like, oh, Theo goes into the memory bank, thinks about, oh, what's the perfect typing? And yet all the time it's always Togekiss. It's always Togekiss. Oh, what's the best Pokemon I can use for this situation? It's my best Pokemon. Well, if we're talking about going back into the memory bank, lads, um, shall we talk (laughs) about the fact that this is uh, only Togekiss' second battle of season three, and the last one was because everything else was knocked out by a Moltres. So, uh... (laughs) You've got to say, Togekiss is perfect for this this moment you oh, have yeah. to admit it yeah you've yeah. got to use them yeah okay so what's ashanti kotogakis doing um i think that theo is going to go right on the offensive you know what to do go for a dazzling gleam great roll kick some frost last wow yeah 2d6 plus three. Oh, ladies 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 we've got a <laughs> six we've got a four we've got a plus three we've got a 13 oh, oh yikes yikes, yikes 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 Mm, we love to see it. We should calculate the damage because, you know, we never know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Zygarde is, like the Moltres, a stage four. Togekiss is stage three, so you're on three damage. Zygarde mm-hmm. is one higher than you, so that takes one back, so it's down to two damage. It is, however, super effective, so we're back up to three, and then we need to roll your d4. Here we go. And that was a four. Oh! So seven damage. Oh, my goodness. I can only assume Zygarde's down. Zygarde is not down, but (laughs) what a hit. I could certainly feel like Zygarde is distracted. Yeah. Yeah. David, what does this dazzling gleam look like as Togekiss, I imagine, disappears into the dark abyss and then dive bombs out with this sparkling pink dust flying in? What does that impact look like? Well, if we've still got Mr. and Mrs. S heading across this bridge that is currently being guarded. Yeah, they're sort of running and trusting you. I think Zygarde (laughs) has seen them, and it's like if one of us saw like a tiny spider skittering like along the floor. Zygarde. Like Zygarde's immediate response is that quick stomp down, but this luminous, like aurora borealis of pink, pink light blinds Zygarde. And so Zygarde is completely thrown off. The two of them manage to slip right through the legs. And meanwhile, Zygarde is thrown stumbling back by this incredibly painful blast of light. Oh, yeah, anime style. I see that, you know, that multiple hit of, like, pink ball energy light? Like, oh, yeah. And it forces it to take a large step backwards. A bit of the bridge quakes beneath them. Mrs. S and Mr. N grab onto one of the... No, there are no railings. What am I saying? We're in Formia. They're not invented. (laughs) They just steady themselves against the rumble as Zygarde takes a step backwards. They think to glance, but think, no, no, we've got to carry on. We've got a mission to do and head towards the cube. David, roll for Mr. N and Mrs. S. Are we going to give them any pluses? So I think this is a Theo roll, uh, and okay. I think it's an act under pressure. So that's cool. Yeah, so I'm plus one in cool. Oh, it's it's a three and a three plus a one for a seven, so it's a mixed success. Okay. Theo, you've provided this exceptional distraction. Both Mr. N and Mrs. S have reached the Rubik's Cube. The pair take one look at the cube. How do they solve it? Well, I guess because it's kind of similar to Mr. N's research into these interlocking rings in many ways, like Mr. N specialises in puzzles. So I guess maybe there is some algorithmic formula that Mr. N has explored before for this kind of thing. So Mr. N looks at this cube, knows that time is limited, looks over to Mrs. S. South, this looks a lot like the interlocking rings of my research, my 16th dissertation. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Of course. Subsection B, paragraph three. 
And the pair of them, they've just, yeah, they start working on this cube and clearly they are so in sync. They know exactly which part of the dissertation Mr. M was referring to. And yeah, the cube weirdly fits really nicely with this research that he'd been doing on interlocking runes. As the final one clicks into place, they share a smile, a smirk, and Mr. M just looks at Mrs. S. I love you. But at that moment, the Zygon, who had been so astutely distracted by Tuggis up until this point, finally loses sight of the pink jet plane R&B singer into the blackness and for a second focuses on the two focused on Zygarde's cube and identifies a bigger threat. And all it does is just fire one ground arrow, a singular ground arrow from one of its white spiky hands. And it fires across literally as that cube is solved and strikes Mr. N a glancing blow across the chest. He flies backwards. Mrs. S cries out, North! But the cube is solved. The Zygarde creature disintegrates, shatters into millions of tiny green Zygarde cells that fall softly, slowly, like dandelion seeds, down, down, past the bridge, and disappear, glinting tiny green speckles into the blackness and the abyss below. The cube rotates slowly on its pedestal, green, azure, glowing. Theo, you see Mr. N on the floor next to the pedestal and Mrs. S doubled over on top of him. What do you do? I think Theo has to run over to see what's going on. And as Theo does, Togekiss returns to their side. Mr. N, are you okay? It does look like there's blood on his his robes. <coughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm okay. But his breathing does seem ragged. I can try and get Togekiss to try and heal you, but I'm not sure how effective it'll be against a wound that deep. I'd, I'd try it. I'd, I'd just try it. Okay, though. sure, sure, sure. Probably, okay, yeah, you know, no, probably the wrong time to be thinking. Yeah, okay, so Togekiss, uh, could you could you life you over here? Togekiss. And Togekiss looks at you, Theo, and it's like, the last time I tried this, Hillary died. Are you sure? And Theo strokes Togekiss's face um, in a rare moment of, of physical contact for Theo and literally any living life form. It wasn't because of you, but maybe this could be. Roll. Take a plus one, David, because it's a beautiful line. Okay, so I've got a two plus a six for an eight plus a one for a nine. Does Tokius not add any stats to, to life to you? It's creating advantage, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I guess speed as well in that situation. So a Togekiss's speed is two. Mate, so it's so many it's so many points. Ah. I've just a... for a second that I thought we were just doing a dry roll for, for Theo as as cleric, but no, two plus six plus two plus one. So that is a grand total of 11. Oh, so David, please tell me how how this life you looks with Togekiss's refound confidence. As I think we've established before, Togekiss cries the life you. So Togekiss, in their own sort of panic and stress, releases one of these sort of single glistening sapphire tears down. And, and as you said, um, Mrs. S is sprawled over Mr. N and the tear passes through her and down to the wound. And there is sort of one of those ripples of light across the floor beneath the two of them, sort of similar to the interlocking rings that we saw before, but a little bit more placid. And as the light finally disappears, Mrs. S gets up and there is no visible wound. I'm... I'm okay. South, I'm alright, I'm alright. <laughs> Darling, I was so worried. I also was worried, I just like to... Um, cl- oh, I was, oh, Theo, I was... you're here too. Thank you, thank you, Theo. Thank you. Theo's always here too. Thank you. And Mrs. S looks at you, Theo, and there's an apologetic look in her eye, and she's like, I don't, I don't think Mr. N should carry on to fight anymore. It's great that he's stabilised and, and healthy, but I think I should get him to safety. 
we've we've secured the exit. I don't disagree with you, but there is a little problem with the two of you going out of my sight, and it is currently sat inside your robes. <gasps> Theo, that is my wife! How dare you! This is not the time! You know what? Nearly every other time, Mr. N, that is exactly what I'm talking about. But in this situation, I am actually talking about a book. Not talking about a euphemism book. Samantha, if you want to take your loved one and go, I understand, but you have to give me that tome. Roll. Last roll of the night. Oh. Stu's catchphrase, which has never been roll before. But I know, it's been are. quite a roll-heavy app, isn't it? Are there any yeah. pluses to this? I guess it's manipulate somebody. It's which just is... manipulate someone, so it's charm. Oh, well, I'm a flat zero, so what a lovely time we're all going to have here. Actually, take a plus one, because you did just save Mrs. S's, you know, guy. You know what, Stu? I'm so happy you did that, because I rolled a four and a two. So with that plus one, it is a mixed success, oh. baby! Oh. Okay, gosh, I'm glad I'm being generous. So what's the mixed success? Isn't manipulate someone, you have to prove you mean it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you prove to Mrs. S that you need the tome in this moment? How is this bigger than the church? Samantha, I know that these tomes are pivotal to everything we have ever believed or fought for, everything that we think we can change about the world. But but you saw what I was willing to do when I took the tome and when I fought that Moltres and when I got that book, I am willing to do anything for a cause. And in the Everburn tree, you told me that you would stand by me in whatever I believe in. And I'm telling you right now that what I believe in is those people back in that prison who are trying to do something really good. If you give me that tome, something amazing could happen, something that we've never even fathomed within the church. And I get it that you're frightened and I get that you want to have some sort of collateral, but I need that tome and I will do anything to get it back. So please, Samantha, forget about the bullying and forget about the abandoning you for trombone lessons. Please think about the person you are seeing now, the person you can trust. Think of me instead as an anomaly. Theo, I know why you bullied me. You were scared and you didn't truly believe in yourself. I now see someone who believes in something. A cause. That's great. But I want to know why you... I want you to say it, Theo. I want you to say why you believe in yourself to do this. Because finally, Samantha, finally I found people who told me that I'm worth something. And Mrs. S hands you the tome. Best of luck to both of you. Thank you. We'll see you on the other side. I hope so. And with that, Mrs. S slings Mr. N supportively over her shoulders and the pair head towards the large elevator. The massive glass doors ceiling in front of you, Theo, separating you from the two church compass points as the lift ascends up towards the heavens, leaving you, Theo, down in the abyss, ready to tackle whatever comes next. We are well and truly into the final arc of the season. Oh, it's exciting. Battles left, right and centre, and a personal battle between Hannah and Keddy. I mean, who who knew that's how Hannah felt? I mean, that was a that was a shock in uh, in playing it, I have to say. There was a tension. Oh, which is exactly what we love. We love the tension. It's the end of the episode and you're hearing my voice and I would like to take this time to thank 
Michael Sands, the creator of Monster of the Week, which we've adapted into Pocket Monster of the Week. Also like to thank the wonderful Glitch X City and Braxton Burks for their wonderful music that was used in this episode and also Epidemic Sounds that we use for our general incidental sound effects and some other odd tracks here and there. Spanish guitar. That's a little nod to you. Thank you. This is also the point where I would like to thank our patrons. And I'm going to start with Mark Smith, who did the previously at the beginning of today's episode. Thank you, Mark. Very good. Very British. I mean, I couldn't tell that you weren't a native. I'd also like to thank our other patrons, Sandy Swain. That's sorry. I had to say it like that, Sandy. I was too tempted. I'd also like to say thank you to Brad Demon Dowker, Mike Habages. Which I now get, I now get the, the pun on it, Mike, and it's it's great. My cabbages. Dr. Ranny, Jerembi's mum, Dig Easy, Ollie B, Alex W, Crispy, Huxley Spicer, Beth Shivers, Jam, Heather L. Snell, Heather L. Snell, Heather L. Snell, I like that. Megan Taylor, Betsy Lewin Lee, Ryan Teague, Darius Joukowsky. Pokerdash 55 and also a special shout to Pokerdash 55 for a wonderful animatic which you can find on our Twitter. It was wonderful, so thank you very much, Pokerdash. DW Hollands, I'm not gonna thank you. You are ugh, you are horrendous. Actually, get off our Patreon. Thank you to Audrey, Ellie Lieberman, thank you to Jeremby, Carrie Morrison, Martin Blackwood, thank you to Scott M, thank you to Dr. Mega Man PhD, thank you to Hi Killy, thank you to Keiko Pin Cosplay, thank you to Big Fat Nuke, Jonah Jackson, to Trigula, wonderful Paladin, thank you to Josh Anderson, Alchemage, Cesar Trevino, Force Majeure, Crandon Creations, Eric Eichinger, another great Paladin, Milamoy, Ginny Voss, another great paladin, and the Game Master, Alistair Collinson. There are so many of you now, and it's so uplifting that you're all supporting the podcast. It's a really, really great feeling. I'd also suppose like to thank Jinichi Masada and Satoshi Tajiri for creating Pokemon, but as a reminder, this is a fan-made, not-for-profit podcast, uh, and with no association with Game Freak or the Pokemon Company. And finally, I'd like to thank... Ali, David and Stu for being great players and remember go catch them all and by all I mean your dreams I think there's a radio. I think George Michael is playing on the... Is there a George Michael Pokemon poem we can have? George. 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 Mike. Mike. There's got to be something in Mike. Pike. Like. Psych. Bike. George. George. George Acro. Electrical. Bike. Michael. Elect- Electrical. Electrical. <laughs> it's just the worst. It's just the worst. <laughs> and I think it's done. <laughs>